Thanks for joining us here at AG Kolkata. We are the church for the open arms and we serve in the city of joy, Kolkata. It is our desire to reach out to those in need and to be instruments of effective change in a hurting world. If you like to learn more about us, you can simply go to www.agkolkata.org. We hope that you'll enjoy today's message. Is God really there? That is the title of my message this morning. A question that every human being asks at some time in his or her life. But some of you may wonder, Pastor, why are you asking this question here at a Sunday morning service? Aren't we all here because we believe in God? Well, I wonder, do believers ever ask this question? When life's struggles become unbearable, when the cares of this life overwhelm us, and we seem to be losing the fight, if we are honest, we must admit that we all have moments of doubt in fact, such moments of doubt are recorded in Scripture itself. And I want to read to you selectively from Psalm 42, where the psalmist describes his experience. Psalm 42, a few verses in the beginning, and then we'll go down to verse 9. As the deer, let's read, read it with me, please. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? Verse 9, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony. As my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Bad enough, things are going downhill. Life seems to be falling apart. And you feel like you can't take much more. If that is enough, when you go through those hard times, sometimes unbelievers look at you and say, where is your God? He trusted in Jesus. What good did it do to him? She gave her life to Jesus. See where it got her. Is God really there? Such times when our faith is tested, we find ourselves in the deep recesses of our soul struggling with that question. Is God really there or is belief in God just a delusion, a cruel joke? Someone else has put it thus, has God created man or has man created God? Now, this morning, I don't want to deal with the problem of evil. Okay, why do things go wrong? 
even though we are believers. We will deal with that another day, another time. But this morning, for all Christ followers here, I want to try and lay a foundation why we believe in God. And I want to share with you three reasons why it makes perfectly good sense to believe in God, despite things that around us might pull us away from faith in God. The first reason is what I describe as the endless search. I think in the point, it may, uh, in the, what it comes up on the screen, it may say eternal search, but I want to change it to endless search. The search for God is as old as the earth itself. One of the oldest books in the Bible is the book of Job. And it records in one place Job's desperate cry in Job 23. If only I knew where to find God, I would go to his court. I would lay out my case and present my arguments. Verse 8. I go east, but he is not there. I go west, but I cannot find him. I do not see him in the north, for he is hidden. I look to the south, but he is concealed. So in the Bible, you have this search recorded. But there is perhaps no nation in the world where the hunger for God is as deep and intense as our own beloved land of India. It's a land of many religions with an unquenchable thirst for truth, for reality, for God. And this cry is captured in one of the oldest, highest expressions of Hindu wisdom, the Upanishads. Some of you will be familiar with this sloka in the Briharanyaka Upanishad. Lead me from the unreal to the real. Lead me from darkness to light. Lead me from death to immortality. This is a cry that comes from the lips of the ancient sages of India. And it's echoed down through the centuries and expressed in the writings of many sages. And I want to just quote to you two such great men in our own beloved land of India who expressed this endless search in a poem entitled Quest for God. Swami Vivekananda says these words. Please listen. Over hill and dale and mountain range, in temple, church and mosque, in Veda's Bible, Al-Quran, I had searched for thee in vain. Like a child in the wildest forest, lost, I have cried and cried alone. Where art thou gone, my God, my love? I called on all the holy names of every clime and creed. Show me the way in mercy, ye great ones who have reached the goal. The search, the quest. No one has captured the soul of India's search more eloquently and with greater passion than our own Bengal's revered poet and Nobel laureate, Rabindranath Tagore, in his great work, the Gitanjali, I quote these beautiful words. I have been seeking and searching God for as long as I can remember, for many, many lives. 
from the very beginning of existence. Once in a while, I have seen him by the side of a faraway star, and I have rejoiced and danced at the distance, although great is not impossible to reach. And I have traveled and reached to the star, but by the time I reached the star, God has moved to another star, and it has been going on for centuries. The challenge is so great that I go on hoping against hope. I have to find him. I am so absorbed in the search. Here this revered poet is not describing only his personal search. He is describing the cry that comes from the soul of a nation. Interestingly, on another occasion, he makes this fascinating confession. I quote again. Do you know, I have often felt that if we were not Hindus, I should like my people to be Christians. Indeed, it is a great pity that Europeans have come to us as imperialists rather than as Christians and so have deprived our people of their true contact with the religion of Jesus Christ. For the record, Rabbinat Tagore never became a professing Christian in our sense of the world. But this quote captures both his search, his attraction to Jesus, and on the other hand, unfortunately, the hindrance to many people in our country who see, who perceived the way of Christ as the European way, the way of imperialists, and struggled to accept the truth of Christ because it came to us in European garments. But these quotes from the great sages of India reflect not just the intensity of their own search for God, but gives us a glimpse of the longing and a search from the soul of a great nation. But this is a longing that God promises to fulfill in his holy word. And the one verse that I want to quote for you, where God promises to satisfy the longing, the search for God is in Jeremiah 29, verses 13 and 14. He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found of you. So this endless search, by the way, is universal. Although I have illustrated it from our own experience here in India, it was the great mathematician philosopher Pascal who said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man, and only God can fill it. Why is it there? Where did it come from? I believe God who created us put it there as a pointer to the fact that he exists. That is the first piece of evidence I want to lay before you. The endless search that God put in our hearts. Secondly, I want us to consider the evidence that comes to us from life's big questions. In Romans chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, this is what Paul writes. 
speaking about human beings, fallen human beings, he says, they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Though through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. What is Paul saying here? He's saying within every human heart, there is a natural awareness, an intuitive awareness of God's existence. And that awareness is expressed in the spontaneous questions that we have. Every human being at some point in life's journey, we ask these questions. And I want to just consider three. First is, does life have any meaning or purpose? If so, what is it? What is it? The question of identity. Who am I? Or what am I? Am I here just as the result of an accident? Am I just an accidental bunch of atoms that have come together? Am I nothing more than a sophisticated stone? Or a plant that thinks has a brain? Or a slightly advanced form of animal? Is that who I am? I am? And what am I doing here on this planet? Am I simply here to consume oxygen as long as I exist and then fade away into nothingness? Am I here simply to fight for survival? Biding my time? Doing my best to postpone the inevitable. What is the inevitable? Death. Is that all my reason for being here on this planet? Friends, I want you to consider the hard facts this morning. If there is no God, then this world, the life you and I live, is a cruel accident. There's a philosopher named Friedrich Nietzsche, German philosopher, who actually came to that conclusion. And I quote from his conclusion. He believed life was a cruel accident. And this is what he said as a result. There is no vast mind behind the framing of this world. We are all alone in this vast universe, left to find our own path at the mercy of chance. There is no light at the end of the tunnel. Incidentally, Friedrich Nietzsche was one of Adolf Hitler's heroes. And you understand why Hitler found no problem Massacring millions without seemingly pangs of guilt or regret. Any wonder that Nietzsche died a madman. Or if there is no God, there is no sense in looking for meaning to life. We are just animals. Why then do we look for more than food and drink if we are no more than animals? Why do we, what is it in us that makes us enjoy art? Beauty, 
music. Why is it that our hearts are warmed by a child's laughter? We admire acts of sacrifice, heroism. Where do emotions of love and friendship come from? The great Saint Augustine captures it in these famous words. He said, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. What is he saying? There is within every human heart a desire for meaning, for purpose. That is what makes us restless. That is what makes people, even though they are multi-billionaires, unhappy. Those who reach the pinnacle of fame, there's still a gap. Why? They are searching for meaning and purpose and their hearts are restless. Augustine said, until we find meaning and purpose in you, our hearts are restless. Big questions of life. The second big question I want to place before you is, how can we tell the difference between right and wrong? And why should we do good rather than evil? Those two questions are connected, which is why I put them together. All human beings have a built-in sense of right and wrong. Yes? That's why in any Bollywood movie or story, the villain in any story is always selfish, cruel, deceptive, cowardly, right? And the hero is always kind, fair, generous, honest, courageous. Who decided that courage is good, cowardice is bad? Where did we get the idea that to be, it's good to be kind, fair, generous, and it's bad to be selfish and cruel? Where did it come from? Well, for a moment, imagine a society. I know it's hard to imagine, but where everyone, a society in which everyone decided between right and wrong based on their feelings or based on democratic opinion. Hmm? For centuries, millennia, majority opinion felt slavery was right. In our own country for centuries, people have believed that the caste system where some people are superior to others is the way we should live. Majority opinion. Majority opinion voted Hitler to power and supported his genocide. You see, friends, without God, there is no standard for good and evil, for right and wrong, above the realm of human existence. Moral choices, right and wrong, based on democratic vote, majority opinion. I'm sure some of you may have heard of the famous incident from what is known as the Nuremberg Trials. The Nuremberg Trials, many of the war criminals during Hitler's uh, era were brought to trial for cold-blooded murder of people in the gas chambers 
and the prison camps. And every time one of the SS officers under Hitler's command were asked to give reason, how did you give the order to have innocent children butchered? Civilians were just murdered in cold blood simply because they were Jews or simply because they were considered a threat to the Third Reich. And every time the officers would say, you know, we are innocent because the law of the land decided what we should do and shouldn't do. And we were simply being obedient soldiers doing what we were told. Over and over again, that was the excuse given. So on that basis, the officer said, pleaded not guilty. We are innocent. We only gave the command. But we were obeying a higher authority. After several days of hearing this, finally one of the judges had enough. And he did something very uncharacteristic in this very formal world court. He stood up in exasperation and shouted. He said, is there not a law above all laws? Is there not a law above all laws? You know what? If there is no God, there is no law above all laws. There is no basis for right and wrong. But I want to just give one more question. That is a reflection of the intuitive God awareness every human being has. And that is, is there hope of life beyond the grave? <clears throat> what happens after death? I gave you that quotation from the Upanishads, the longing expressed in that phrase, lead me from death to immortality. And the Bible has its own version of that in Ecclesiastes 3.11. God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has placed eternity in the human heart. Human beings, people everywhere, yearn for eternity. <clears throat> Excuse me. Deep in our hearts, we feel... There must be more to life. There must be life beyond the grave. In our hearts and minds, we believe there must be a beautiful life somewhere beyond, free of evil. <clears throat> but if there is no God, this is a vain hope. Death must be the end. And we are left with an empty longing as we face the future. No heaven to be gained. No hell to fear. Life ends with the last heartbeat. No God to meet. No hope. What is human destiny in a godless world? Simply this. You came... From nothing and nowhere. And you will return to nothing, nowhere. Giving you two reasons where it makes sense to believe that God is there. The endless search. Some of the big questions of life and there are many more. 
But I want you to give, I want to leave you with the third. To me, the decisive reason to believe God is there. And that is simply one word, Jesus. The person of Jesus, the truth. It's not enough to ask the question, is there a God? Most of us want to know, if there is a God, what is he like? What is God really like? And the Bible gives us a simple answer in John chapter 1 verse 80. Read it with me as it comes up on the screen. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. In Jesus, we are not left to our own reason. Valuable though that, that is, whether God exists or not. In Jesus, God himself came down to earth and revealed himself to us. And to know what God is like today, we only need to look at the face of Jesus. And what do we see through the life of Jesus about God? Many things, I want to just leave you with two very quick important things we know about God, the true and living God. First of all, Jesus refers to God as our Father in heaven. What does that tell us? He is bigger. We sing a happy chorus sometimes, bigger than all my problems, bigger than all my fears. God is bigger. He's bigger, yes. He's different. He's far removed. He's beyond anything you can imagine. And we'll explore that the rest of this year. He's awesome. There are many things about God we will never fully grasp. But what Jesus did tell us clearly about God is that he is powerful. He's loving. He cares for us. And he protects us as a father. And as a father, he's somebody with whom we can have a personal relationship. The second important truth, not only about God's ex existence, but about the nature of God, we see in the face of Jesus. God is like Jesus. And this is what Jesus declared in John chapter 14. When the disciples asked him, Lord, show us the Father. What is this God like? Jesus. And Jesus' answer tells it all. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. So as we conclude this message, the answer to the question, is God really there? The evidence is clear for all to see. You heard it from at least three individuals, and I'm sure there are many here who have good reasons for believing in God. But I want to close with the real issue. Yes, it may be hard to deny God's existence. But the real issue is, so what? What difference is this belief making in my life?
You know, in James chapter 2, verse 19, James gives us this uh, wake-up call to every believer. He says, you believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder and tremble. I want to close with this insight. Listen to this very carefully. Okay, this is the most important insight that I want you to leave with. Believing that God exists is not the same or is different from living as though God exists. Do you get it? Don't be distracted, please. Just watch me. Believing that God exists is not the same as living as God exists. There is such a thing as a practical atheist. You know what a practical atheist is? We believe God exists here, but we don't live. We live as though there is no God. <clears throat> and I want you to consider two symptoms. And this is two symptoms believers, those who profess to be Christ followers, we suffer from. Two symptoms. One is, even though we believe God exists, we have no real fear of God. We profess faith, but live in sin. But are complacent about our faith. That's one symptom. The second symptom is, we have no real trust in God. So we claim to have faith, but our unbelief is expressed. You know how? In worry. Or in a spirit of criticism. We complain all the time. We have no joy in our hearts, in our lives. And as we bring this service to a close, I want us to bow our heads in God's presence. And ask yourself, yes, I believe in God. But do I live as though I believe in God's existence? Thanks for listening to this message from AG Kolkata. We hope you would stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram by using at AGC Kolkata. We would love to know how this message has touched your life. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing us at stories at agkolkata.org. Hope you have a great week ahead.